Good morning, everyone. It's Barrett Qualey's birthday. Happy birthday, Barrett. So um, I want to welcome you all to our class coffee and conversate this morning at 10 o'clock. This is our 10 o'clock class where we dig a little bit deeper. We're working on an Andrew Womack uh, discipleship class. So today we're on our 14th lesson in level one. And would you believe there are multiple levels? This is going to get deep. So hi to everyone on live stream. Uh, today, uh, the name of the lesson is The Power of a Spirit-Filled Life. So this has been, over the last couple of years, really something that I've been growing in, uh, and it's about really living with the indwelling Holy Spirit and how that moves and how to move in that gift, not only how to, to move in the gift, but initially how to ask for that gift, how to receive that gift, uh, and how to move in it. So the lesson today really uh, takes an opportunity to help us better understand what it means to have a spirit-filled life, what the power of that brings into our existence. Um, the next couple of lessons actually build on the foundation of this class. So I would encourage you all to listen to next Sunday and the following Sunday because it's going to dig a little deeper on the uh, baptizing with the Holy Spirit, which is really awesome stuff. So let's go ahead and begin today. So we're going to start with Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, and this is the Great Commission. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes is baptized and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. In Acts uh, chapter 8 verses 5, uh, through tw 5 and 12, we see how this commission has worked out through the preaching of Philip in Samaria. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And when they believed, Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. <clears throat> the question is, did these people of Samaria become Christians according to Mark 16, 15 and 16? Yes, they did. Philip went to the city of Samaria, preached Jesus Christ, and through faith in Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. According to the Great Commission, we could say these people were saved, but had they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The Bible speaks about John baptizing in water, but only Jesus Christ could baptize with the Holy Spirit. According to the scripture, people believed, were saved, and water baptized, but they had never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 8, verses 14 through 17 says, When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. We can see from the scriptures that just because a person has believed and been baptized and saved doesn't mean they receive the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come into our lives in John 20, 22. We see that the Holy Spirit regenerated the disciples, but it was on the day of Pentecost that they were baptized with the Holy Spirit and empowered by God. There is a difference between the quickening of the Holy Spirit in salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit when he comes upon an individual. There is immersion in the Holy Spirit that comes upon individuals and empowers them, 
even though a person has been saved, it doesn't mean that they've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, you know, a, a good way for me to, to better understand this, um, something that came to me as I've been studying this uh, over the last couple of weeks, is that when we're water baptized, we're covered in the Holy Spirit. We're immersed, the outside of us is immersed in the Holy Spirit. And we are saved. But when we are asked to be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, he fills us up on the inside. He becomes indwelling in us. So it covers sort of both ends of this, right? We're covered on the outside when we're immersed in the water. But when we ask for and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he fills us up on the inside. In Acts, um, there, there are a couple of, actually, if you want to learn a whole lot about speaking in tongues and being baptized in the Holy Spirit, I would encourage you to read the book of Acts. Uh, it's extremely powerful. number of, of um, instances where there is evidence of speaking in tongues, evidence uh, of the infilling or baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to read you a couple today. Uh, there's one that's actually not in the lesson that I thought was really important to share today. <clears throat> and it's Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 47. What makes this particular um, baptism of the Holy Spirit significant is that it's this episode where we hear about the infilling of Gentiles or people that are not Jews. So even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So, you know, initially it was that just the Jews who were saved by water baptism uh, were the ones that were there at Pentecost who then received the Holy Spirit or uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. And it's here in Acts 10 that we actually see where Peter brought that to the Gentiles. And so the Jews were amazed that the Gentiles could receive that blessing as well. In Acts chapter 19 is another example. While, in Apoll while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John, Paul said. John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. You see, I read that in the NLT because the lesson itself is in the King James and sometimes it can be a little challenging to uh, understand the language. In verses 6 and 7 he says, And then Paul had laid his hands upon them and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spake with tongues and prophesied and all the men were about 12. So even though these people were disciples who believed in the Messiah who was to come, they hadn't been baptized with the Holy Spirit. A person can be born again and water baptized without having been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate and distinct experience from conversion. 
Okay, so the key here is that it is a distinct and separate experience. Um, in, again, in reading and studying on this, uh, if you all have a lot of questions or have some questions specifically about being baptized with the Holy Spirit, I would encourage you to grab this little book. We have some extra copies in the back. It's a book that was written by Kenneth Hagin. It, it is called Why Tongues? This is a great uh, scriptural basis for why it's critical that we ask for and receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So I actually have the Kindle edition, uh, and one of the things I wanted to share with you guys today before we move on to our question and answer period is 10 reasons uh, why it's important, uh, why every believer should speak in tongues. So it's great that you have the scriptural basis, and it's great that we know the background of uh, the Jews were baptized in the Holy Spirit after they received Christ, the Gentiles were baptized with the Holy Spirit after they received Christ, but I think today it's important for us to understand the reasons why we should seek this blessing. It's critically important that we ask for this blessing. Okay? So reason number one, tongues is the initial sign. So the first reason people should speak with other tongues is that it's a, it is supernatural evidence of the Spirit's indwelling. So what that means is when you can pray in tongues and when you have that evidence of the Holy Spirit inside of you, it is proof that the Holy Spirit lives inside you. Reason number two, tongues for spiritual edification. Paul encouraged them to continue the practice of speaking with other tongues in their worship of God and in their prayer lives as a means of spiritual edification. So the Greek language scholars tell us that we have a word in our modern vernacular which is closer to the meaning of the original than the word edified. So edified means to build up, but it also means to charge and is commonly used in connection with charging a battery. So tongues for spiritual edification means that when you pray in tongues, you actually power up your internal battery. It builds you up, right? It helps to build your Holy Spirit up on the inside. God is a spirit, and when we pray in tongues, our spirit is in direct contact with God, who is a spirit. We are talking to him by divine, supernatural means. It is amazing how people can ask in the light of these scriptures, what is the value of speaking in tongues? If God's word says speaking in tongues is of value, then guess what? It's of value, right? If God says it edifies, then it edifies. If God says it is a supernatural means of communication with himself, then it is a supernatural means of communication with himself. If God says in his word that every believer should speak in tongues, then every believer should speak in tongues. Jesus did not say that just a few should speak in tongues. His word says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Them is plural. And it means all of us. Reason number three, tongues remind us of the Spirit's indwelling presence. So speaking in tongues is a flowing stream which should never dry up and will enrich the life spiritually. If I can be conscious of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit every day, it's bound to affect the way I live. Right? So when I seek, when I personally seek to speak in tongues and pray in tongues on a daily basis, guess what? It grounds me. It reminds me of who I am. When I go to work and I sit in the parking lot before I walk into the building every morning and I take an opportunity to pray in the Spirit for five or ten minutes, it grounds me. Yeah. So that when I walk in the building, I know who I am in Christ. Yeah. Right? So 
It's building myself up on the inside. It's reminding me that I'm God's and I'm not my own. Reason number four, praying in tongues is praying in line with God's perfect will. So speaking in tongues keeps selfishness out of our prayers. A prayer out of one's own mind and thinking has the possibility of being unscriptural and it may be selfish. But just because I know how to pray doesn't mean that I know what to pray, right? So right before, immediately before, a week or two before I was filled with the Holy Spirit, what I was finding is, is in my English prayer, I was coming up against a wall, right? I couldn't break through the wall. I didn't know what English words to say. I felt like I had exhausted all of the English language or words that I could think of in my flesh mind. But I knew there was something behind that wall. I knew there was something I needed to break through so that I could have a stronger connection with God and that I could pray his will and not necessarily mine. I needed a way to connect with him on that level. And being filled with the Holy Spirit affords that opportunity. So when you pray in tongues, it is your spirit praying by the Holy Spirit within you. The Holy Spirit within you gives the utterance, and you speak it out of your spirit. You do the talking, he gives the utterance. By this method, the Holy Spirit helps you pray according to the will of God, as things should be prayed for. So I'm not relying on my own thinking. I'm not relying on my own flesh. I'm relying on the Holy Spirit inside me to pray out what needs to be prayed out. Right? So I'm not relying on me, I'm relying on God. Reason number five, praying in tongues stimulates our faith. Praying in tongues stimulates faith and helps us learn to trust God more fully. If the Holy Spirit supernaturally directs the words I speak, listen to this, faith must be exercised to speak with tongues. For I don't know what the next word will be. I am trusting God for it. And if I'm trusting God in one line, it will help me trust him in another. So I thought that was a really powerful note there. That if I have faith enough to know that God is going to provide the next word that's coming out of my mouth, wow, then by correlation, I ought to be able to exercise and stretch my faith in a number of other areas. Reason number six, speaking in tongues is a means of keeping free from worldly contamination. If we speak to ourselves and to God in a church service, we can also do it on the job. It won't disturb anyone. Or if we're in a situation that's scary or fearful or we're not sure what to say or do next, right? Or we're in in an environment that we're not quite sure about or we're being exposed to things that we know as a Christian we shouldn't be exposed to. We're listening to uh, racy jokes or we're watching a movie that's inappropriate. Right? Or there's one section of a movie that's inappropriate. Or maybe we're, we're in a group of people and they're listening to music that maybe is not uh, something that we need to be listening to. There is no reason for you not to pray in tongues at that point. So a perfect example for me recently is I was flying home to North Dakota, flying over the Ohio Valley, which is a little bumpy during the summer because it's very hot and there are big, huge thermals of hot air. And so the plane starts to bounce right? It starts to get a little scary, like, oh, what would happen if this plane crashed? You know, am I right with the Lord? All these things go, does the pilot know how to fly this plane? <laughs> you know, all this stuff goes through my head. The, the um, flight attendants even are sitting down at this point because it's getting really bumpy. The pilot's coming over the PA system saying, folks, we're going through some chop. Be prepared. Make sure that your, um, your safety belt is strapped. 
So my flesh mind is going, <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> no kidding. That's really what went through my flesh mind. But my Holy Spirit, my indwelling Holy Spirit kicked in, right? And what I started to do was under my breath, I prayed intensely in the Holy Spirit. And what came up to me was, Deb, if I, I had given you the directive, you needed to go home. If I gave you that directive, would I not get you there safely? That had, would not have come to me had I not taken the opportunity, right, to stop. Stop my flesh. Stop my mind thinking I was going to die in a plane crash. No kidding. It was pretty sketchy up there, you know, at 35,000 feet, right? And you're bouncing around and your ginger ale is juggling in your cup. But because I stopped and I prayed and I opened my mouth, no one could hear me around me. Not even the person next to me could hear me. I prayed in the Holy Spirit. And it, it really did help sort of reground me. Um, it kept that contamination of my flesh out of my thinking mind at that time. Yeah. Reason seven. Praying in tongues enables us to pray for the unknown. Praying in tongues provides a way to pray for things for which no one thinks to pray or is even aware of. We already know that the Holy Spirit helps us to pray for what we know, not how to pray as we ought. But in addition, the Holy Spirit, who knows everything, can pray through us for things about which our natural minds know nothing. So I know the people I want to pray for. I know the things that I'm, I'm believing for and I'm praying for. But you know what? There's a whole lot of stuff the Holy Spirit wants to use me for, to pray out for him that I should be obedient to. So a perfect example of this is there are times when people will ask me to pray for them. Maybe I forget to pray for them in the flesh. It doesn't mean that my spirit has forgotten that. So when I pray in the Holy Spirit, I'm praying out the things the Holy Spirit has called me to pray out. Yeah. Right? That could be over things or situations or people that I may come in contact with or I may know a little bit about or I may know nothing about. The significance here for me is that I need to listen to that unction. There's an unction on the, si on the inside of me at times when I don't expect it. I can be in the oddest places, and I have this little tickle in my Holy Spirit. Get to a place where you can pray right now. So I, I take action, and I do that. And I'll go in the bathroom, or I'll close the door to my office, or I'll be in my car, and I'll take the opportunity to pray out whatever it is that the Holy Spirit has sort of catalyzed me to pray on. I have no idea what that is. I have no idea what that's for. And you know what? I don't need to know. What I need to know is to be obedient and to do that when he asks me to and when he calls me to um, on the inside. The other, the other part of that is sometimes we know uh, in English what to pray, but we don't know the depth or the... Um, granularity with which the Lord wants something prayed out. So I may say, I'm believing for healing. I believe that we are healed in Jesus' name. You are healed. You have the strength. You have the power. You have the wisdom. But there may be other pieces of that that only the Spirit knows that my mind doesn't know. So if I can tack on to a prayer a portion of that being filled with the Spirit or, or praying in tongues, there's a granularity or depth that the Lord can push out in that prayer as long, again, as I'm obedient to that. Reason number eight, praying in tongues gives spiritual refreshing. For anyone who's filled with the Holy Spirit, 
When you pray in tongues, what I have found is I should pray until I receive a peace. So I pray and I pray and I pray and I pray unceasingly. As I was growing up, I heard stories about folks that would go in the prayer closet for days. And I think, what would they pray? They had to run out. I mean, how many Hail Marys can you say? How many Our Fathers? Come on. You know, how is that possible? And you know what? It's through being filled with the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues that makes that possible. And it is through that that we receive peace. We receive spiritual refreshing, right? It's, we we um, stir that up on the inside of us. We stir that up in our bellies. It empowers us as Christians. It allows us to stand strong in our beliefs. So the more we pray in the Holy Spirit, the more we, uh, we do that for ourselves, um, the more peace we'll feel, uh, the more presence or the, the, the um, peace of the Father uh, we'll experience. Reason number nine, tongues for giving thanks. So there's actually um, some scripture here in 1 Corinthians 14 that talks about uh, Paul in um, sort of telling, helping believers understand when to pray in tongues and when to pray in English, right? And when you're around people who don't understand praying in tongues or being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's important to be wise to that and um, to be mindful that when you're giving thanks around people who may not understand speaking in tongues or praying in tongues, then it's important to speak in English or speak in your common language so that they understand what you're saying. But he makes a good point in verse, four, or, sorry, in verse 17. He says, For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. So essentially his point is, you're giving good thanks when you pray in the Spirit. You're giving excellent thanks when you're praying in the Spirit, but you're maybe not necessarily edifying other people. So the, the point here is, is that praying in tongues is a way to give thanks. But notice that Paul says praying in tongues provides the most powerful way to pray and to give thanks. For he said, thou verily givest thanks well. And then finally, reason 10. Speaking in tongues brings the tongue into subjection. Right? So um, it says in James uh, chapter 3, verse 8, But the tongue can, can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. And I think all of us would agree that our tongues get us in a whole lot of mess of trouble right? Um, and we work hard to try and bring that tongue under control, right? We may say, I think the, the super kid type lesson would be um, squeezing the, the toothpaste out of the toothpaste tube, try and get the toothpaste back in the tube. It's almost impossible to get it back in the tube. Once those words come out, they're out. So what's great about pray, being able to pray in the spirit is that it brings the tongue under subjection. So yielding the tongue to the Holy Spirit to speak with other tongues is a giant step forward toward fully yielding all of our members to God. For, you, for if we can yield the most unruly member, which is what's spoken of in James, the most unruly member is our tongue. If we can yield the most unruly member, we can yield any member. So if we can get our tongue under control, we should be able to get just about anything else under control. So what leads to that, though, is, is praying in the Holy Spirit a whole lot. You're the, the Holy Spirit now becomes the controller of your tongue. You're allowing in obedience that Holy Spirit to utter those words, right? That's subjection. You're subjecting. You're putting down the flesh. So that's what the power of being filled with the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues can do, right? And once you can get that tongue under control, everything else is sort of secondary to that, okay? So 
even though these people were disciples who believed in the Messiah who had come, they hadn't been baptized with the Holy Spirit, right? Back to the scripture we started with this morning. A person can be born again and water baptized without having been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The baptisms in the Holy Spirit is a separate and distinct experience from conversion. So although we can baptize a person in water, right? That's the covering of the Holy Spirit. We can't baptize them in the Holy Spirit, which is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Only Jesus can do that. If you have never asked Jesus to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, consider asking him now. In Luke 11:13, it says, come down to the bottom. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So even though we are fleshly, even though we may not have accepted Jesus Christ, we still love on our kids, right? We still give them gifts. We still pour out abundantly to them. And if we do that without even having Jesus, how much more wonderful is God to pour out his Holy Spirit on us? So now we're going to move into some questions. Are we all ready? Let's flip to some questions. All right. So I need someone who's willing to come up here and read Mark chapter 16, verses verse 16 and Acts 8, 5, and 12. Come on up. <laughs> nope, Paige is going to come up. <laughs> so Abigail, if you'll put up, read Mark 16, 16. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. Right, now if you would read Acts chapter 8, verses 5 and 12. Here's 5. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. And then 12. But now the, pe now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. So did the people described in Acts chapter 8, verse 12 become Christians? Yes, exactly. Now, if you'll stay and read Acts chapter 8, verses 14 through 16. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So had these people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit up to this point? No. Correct. Perfect. Barrett. Happy birthday to you. Okay. Can we read uh, Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 5? When Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. So, oh, we got, yep, we got a couple more. Sorry. <laughs> Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. 
As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So are these people believers? Yes. Okay. And then if you would read verses 6 and 7. 19, 6 and 7. Yep. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So had they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit prior to this? No, ma'am. Perfect. <laughs> so Luke eleven thirteen, I'm going to read, and it says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So this is a group question and answer. So what does Luke 11.13 say we need to do to receive the Holy Spirit? What do we need to do? We need to ask, right? Collectively, we need to say ask. Can everyone say ask? Ask. Perfect. Not ax. Ask. <laughs> yes, perfect. Nicole, will you come up here and read from 1 Corinthians for me? Sure. Wonderful. 1 Corinthians 14.2. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. Since people won't be able to understand you, you will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will all be mysterious. Wonderful. So when a person speaks in tongues, what are they doing? Talking to God. And? Speaking by the power of the Spirit. It will be? Mysterious. Ooh. That's right. It'll be mysterious mysterious but really cool that's right but really cool oh no you got more first oh. corinthians 14 14 for if i pray in tongues my spirit is praying but i don't understand what i'm saying so when a person speaks in tongues what are they doing their spirit is praying exactly and then in verses 16 and 17 for if you praise god only in the spirit how can those who don't understand you praise god along with you how can they join you in the given and given thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You will be given thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. So when a person speaks in tongues, what are they doing? They're given thanks, but nobody else is understanding. Well, they're blessing God with their spirit, right? And then, the, yes, they are giving thanks and praising God. Perfect. I don't. Thank you. Okay, George. Okay, we're going to read Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and there are two questions for this one. Whoa. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Okay, so when someone speaks in, tongue, or speaks in tongues, is the Holy Spirit speaking or the personal individual speaking? The Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So right, but are. who's actually doing the speaking? They are. Right, the person is. The person is the one doing the speaking. Yep. And then who is giving that person utterance? I might have. Holy Spirit. Very good. Yay, George. Happy birthday, Barrett. I love you. <laughs> oh, we love Barrett and George. So to wrap up our lesson today, because I am easily 85% my pastor today, um, I just want to share with you there are, a couple of, there are a couple of different ways you can approach this, so, um, and this is personal experience. So 
when Stephen uh, became more aware, my husband Stephen became more aware about uh, praying in tongues and being filled with, this, with the Holy Spirit, he went straight to God and asked directly. There was no intermediary. There was no laying on of hands. He asked. The scriptures say, if you ask, you will receive. So Stephen, very po- the Holy Spirit very powerfully fell on Stephen, and he received uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, when he was by himself. My experience was a little bit different. I knew I was coming up against a wall. I think I alluded to that. Um, I knew I needed some help getting over that hump. Um, so I sought out Brian and Nicole, and they helped me walk through that. Uh, and what I noticed was is I had to put down my flesh because I felt that sensation in my throat, uh, and I was ready for this to happen, but it was putting down my flesh, putting down my belief that this could actually happen to me, um, that the Holy Spirit could move on me in that way. So <clears throat> I encourage you, if you have any questions, um, to not only talk to Brian or Nicole or any of the leadership team, will direct you in the right direction. But like I said, pick up this little book. We have a bunch of copies in the back. I would encourage you to read it. I think I read it cover to cover about 18,000 times um, as I was preparing myself uh, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And just know that it's a very, very powerful uh, experience. It's, it's one of the biggest blessings that I've experienced in my faith walk over the last few years. So, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time spent together this morning. Thank you for our growing in our knowledge of you and our knowledge of what you would have us do, Lord, so that we can be disciples for you, Lord, so that we can help other people, so that we can grow and build ourselves up in you, Lord, so that our hands and feet become your hands and feet. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the blessing that is this church. We ask that everyone's heart be filled with your words this morning, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Um, so she said 85% of her pastor because her pastor likes going long, apparently. But um, nice, you. you did good. <laughs> um, you went long. It was awesome. Uh, there was one of the things that I would like to point out is a lot of times when people have trouble moving in the spirit or being filled with the spirit or they're afraid of that is part of this. A lot of times people are moving in uh, a fleshly realm or a physical thinking for the majority of their life. And when they get filled with the Spirit and they open themselves up to that, what they're opening up to is a whole nother way of action, a whole nother way of living. What they're opening themselves up to is going from physical to supernatural. And all of a sudden, your body and your mind that's been doing things physical all its life goes, no, 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 right? And so we have to watch that, and we have to be mindful of that, and we actually have to put our flesh down, and that portion of humility brings great grace in the form of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we need that so much. It is a huge key to the success of a believer. And uh, so thank you for a great lesson. Just wanted to throw that Yeah, out. wonderful. Amen. Y'all enjoy your time. We'll, come, we'll be back together at 11 o'clock for the main service. Thanks. <laughs>